Australia is currently not on track to reach the government's 43% emissions reduction target for the end of the decade. Climate Change Minister Chris Bowen delivered the government's first climate statement in Parliament this afternoon, highlighting an uh, improvement really since it took office, but says much more work is required to meet the 2030 target. The documents I'm tabling today, including advice from the Independent Climate Change Authority, underline just what a substantial effort this 43 per cent target requires. The previous government left their projected emissions reductions by 2030 at only 30 per cent. The projections I'm releasing today show the actions and policies of this government so far have increased this projection to 40 per cent. Well, Minister Bowen says they're yet to be implemented. Rewiring The Rewiring Australia plan will ensure the target is met. Climate scientists say that target, which the government labels as a flaw, is nowhere near the 75% reduction required to meet the Paris target of limiting warming to 1.5 degrees. Zali Stegel is the independent member for Warringah. Welcome back to RN Drive, Zali. Thank you. Good the, to be here. The, the government says there has been a one-third improvement on action in the uh, six months since the election. Is that achievement, uh, you know, worth celebrating? Uh, look, yes, I do take heart. I was there in the chamber listening to the minister's statement. I think what it shows is since we, uh, the government in the last six months legislated the Climate Change Act 2022, and what that's done is it's locked in the targets, uh, and I don't dispute, let's be very clear, I don't dispute that the government's 43 by 2030 is not, a, is not ambitious and is not enough, but what it has done is it's given some investment certainty to the market, um, and it has led to a vast change in attitude towards Australia and our commitment. So what the uh, predictions, so what the report shows is we are now, we're just in the first six months, uh, our predicted emissions reduction by 2030 have shifted from 30% under the coalition to now 40. So to me, I do see that as a very positive sign that it won't, uh, that we will absolutely be able to achieve the 43, but I really hope it means we can exceed 50%. Minister Bowen says that uh, that target of a 43% reduction by 2030 will be met, if not exceeded, by the passage of Labor's rewiring the nation policy, which is, as you know, is yet to be passed. Are you confident these measures, including the EV strategy, will deliver that outcome? Look, I do. I, I was advocating for a 60% emission reduction target by 2030. So I think we absolutely have the capacity to do it, the capability and the technology. The key is to put the right policy levers in place. So what we've done so far has led to a lot of investment and that transition's accelerating. The government's rewire Australia plan is important. The other important piece of the puzzle is going to be the safeguard mechanism, which is legislation that impacts our top 200 biggest uh, industry emitters. And it's a policy, it, it, well, it's, a, it's a lever that sets baselines on what our biggest emitters are allowed to emit and then how quickly they need to reduce their emissions. And look, for the last five years, it really hasn't been used to make anyone reduce any emissions. And now um, we're, the, the minister has been taking submissions and we are anticipating changes to the regulations to start forcing industry to reduce emissions. Because 43 and 75%, I mean, there's a huge difference there. I'm curious about your view. Is there, with these new policy settings and a change of tone in 
terms of investments and things like this, do you think that it creates a landslide or, or even better, a snowballing effect? Like what, what action would you like to see in order for Australia to meet that higher 75% reduction goal? Yeah, look, we know that to be true to the Paris Agreement of limiting warming to as close to 1.5 degrees as possible, we have a we need a range of ambition of between 60 and 75% emissions reduction by 2030, um, and we really need to be hitting net zero before 2050. Um, so we need to we need to accelerate our ambition. But I do recognise that we haven't been ambitious to date, and we have a number of sectors that haven't been abating their emissions. So we do need. To to walk before we can run, to make a sporting analogy. Um, and I think that is what is the government policies at the moment are enabling to happen. But let's be frank, we can't keep approving projects that are going to add to this amount. We can't have new projects adding emissions to our amounts. But, but that's not really going to happen, particularly in the current environment. The Greens have been out today expressing disappointment that there was no mention of a moratorium on uh, no new coal and gas projects. There has been much debate that high prices should not be used to delay emissions reduction. Is that a position that you share? Uh, absolutely, because at the end of the day, the best inflation uh, and uh, uh, variable price kind of insurance that we have against, you know, the, the very variable uh, energy prices at the moment is in fact to go to renewable energy. Because renewable energy, we know there is an upfront installation cost, you know, uh, the, the capex, but it's then a flat input cost because ultimately wind and uh, sun is free. So you don't, you're not exposed to the variable price of uh, of commodities of gas and coal. So the the best way we can help ensure Australian households against those variable energy prices is to help them transition as quickly as possible. But obviously it's going to take some time and in that period we are now seeing uh, the pressures on, on households. And so we need to, I am pressuring the government to do more around that. Um, in terms of the moratorium though, I don't need to put it in as black and white away as the Greens do. It's more the question of if we're going to continue on our trajectory to reduce emissions, if any new projects are approved, who is going to make up the difference that those projects add to our emissions? So a sector is going to have to do more of the heavy lifting if the government is going to approve any projects. So that does that mean residential or does that mean industry? What sector is going to have to do more? 14 past six, RN Drive with Andy Park. Uh, Zali Stegel is here. We're talking about the first climate statement delivered to Parliament today. Uh, Zali, the Climate Change Authority says a, a momentum shift really is required to meet the targets. Uh, we talked before about sort of some of the investment opportunities and the sort of tone that the Australia's sending out to the rest of the world with this new government. But, I mean, when it comes to uh, that big, big shift, which will require layoffs... You've got labour issues there for sure. What does that look like, this momentum shift the Climate Change Authority is, is, is saying we need? Yeah, look, one of the things that we started to see discussed at the Jobs and Skills Summit was the need to form a transition authority and I think fund so that you can do that retraining and really identify where the workforce opportunities are, what workforces are going to need to transition and how to do that most equitably uh, and effectively. And so that's not a piece of work that can wait. I think that's a piece of work that needs to be done sooner rather than later. So we're on the front foot. We're seeing announcements come fairly quickly 
quickly around closures of coal-fired power uh, and, and, you know, changes to our system. And so communities that are reliant on those uh, those big, those industries need to know what the plan is and we need to start putting that into effect. So I definitely want to see the government start working on that uh, much sooner. But we are in a race for talent and investment. So the US have passed their Inflation Reduction Act, which is really uh, driving their transition to re- reduce their emissions and is attracting a huge amount of investment and talent. And so we are in a world market race to attract that investment and attract the talent and the workforce to be able to transition. So it is really important that we that Australia stays competitive with the rest of the world, um, and that can only be done by, I think, being ambitious. I do want to ask you about another pet project of yours, something close to your heart. You introduced a, a bill to criminalise false and misleading advertising. You introduced a similar bill last year. Uh, it lapsed ahead of the election. Uh, you want this to pass ahead of the referendum on the voice to parliament. How concerned are you about misinformation during that potential uh, constitutional uh, referendum campaign next year? What response have you gotten from the, da- uh, from the government over this? Well, when I introduced the Stop the Lies, so for introducing uh, legislation to uh, regulate around misleading and deceptive content content in political advertising. Now, most people are familiar that in business and trade and commerce, we have legislation around misleading consumers. It, I think it's quite a paradox that politicians are allowed to just lie uh, without any regulation. So I think, and most people absolutely support it. Now, in opposition, the government, uh, the government, so Labor, uh, Minister Farrell had indicated in principle support for the bill um, and actually post-election again indicated support for uh, legislating around misleading and deceptive content. I am in discussions with them about bringing that forward so that it encompasses the referendum. I know they're planning on uh, running the referendum in a very similar way to an election. It means voting. It means you have third parties being able to pay for advertising. And I'm just very worried of for such a very important debate for Australia's, I think, cultural culture identity, you know, for who we are as a nation, could get really sidetracked with misleading and deceptive claims made in advertising. So I think it's really important that Australians have the facts, can have a respectful debate, but not one on misinformation. Yeah, certainly in those remote communities, there's already been uh, some evidence of that. Uh, while I've got you, the government's industrial relations reforms, including the controversial multi-employer bargaining element, is still before the Senate. You've expressed concern at the speed of these reforms, as well as the content Uh, The government has since agreed to several amendments. Have those changed uh, your view, those amendments? Uh, look, I'm waiting to see where it lands, uh, you know, finally uh, in the Senate, obviously. But uh, I had, I guess, relayed a lot of my amendments to the crossbench in the Senate and a lot of those got picked up, uh, not to the full extent. So I wanted to see a definition of small business to be 50 full-time staff. They've been able to amend it to 20, but with some special provisions for businesses under 50 staff to not get caught up in multi-employer bargaining situations. Um, I wanted an extension of time for, uh, for for businesses already in negotiations from six months to 12 months. They've agreed to nine months. So I think, look, there's progress around a lot of the areas I was concerned with. Ultimately, I would have really liked to see uh, the contentious part of this bill separated um, and more time be spent in negotiating 
look, it's the government's prerogative not to do that. Um, so I, I am leaning, I am more more, I guess the the amended bill is looking uh, more palatable for me at this point, but I do need to see where it lands and when it finishes through the Senate. We'll have to leave it there. Zali Stegel is the independent member for Warringah. Thanks for your time and looking forward to talking with you again in 2023. Thank you, Andy. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.